So we're talking about pillars. And just for those of you who didn't see the newsletter, or just to refresh your memory, um, the importance of pillars when we are building. So when putting up a structure, pillars can add strength or it can, um, be, it can be for the beauty to a building. The second thing is it also allowed mankind to build higher than before and taller buildings. Bigger structures, taller buildings, higher buildings, that's all part of having pillars in place. So if you look at this building at the moment, um, let's say you can't see the pillars now. Maybe you can a little bit. All these structures in steel. If we take away the back pillar at that side, I'm sure a lot of the men will tell us then the building is going to collapse. That part is going to collapse. It will influence this roof. It will influence the offices there. It will influence a lot of things. Pillars is important when we build. And knowingly or unknowingly in our own lives, we have built pillars or we have pillars in place to which we build our lives or put things in place, important things in place to live the way we live or perhaps the way we want to live. So there are structures or important things in our lives already that guides our lives. So if we sit for a second and just think about that, priorities, habits, things in our lives, that guide us the way that we are going at the moment. So this building needed a foundation. Before anything could be put up, there needed to be a foundation. I had a house built um, a few years ago, two years, a year, I don't know, ago. And the first thing I could see was that they really spent time putting a good foundation. The second thing that they did is they put particular pillars on. Hulle die hoeke eerste gebou. So, four steel pillars on the corners of this building keeps this building up. Then comes the extra pillars. Maybe you can lose one of these pillars, but you cannot lose the four corner pillars. Then everything will fall into, will fall down. Um, I've written here, depending on how big one wants the building, you can still add pillars in between, but the corners are there to stay, where it's a double story or whatever, through bricks and stuff, it's reinforced. There's a frozen weer gave van a gebouw. Ek weet, die pillars is nodig, and that's as much as I know. When we look at the structure in our spiritual lives, when we look at the structure of our spiritual lives, there are certain pillars that we need to have in our lives to help us to build a strong structure or a strong spiritual life or building or whatever you want to call it. 
we know and we've heard many times that the riches of this world cannot give us contentment or cannot give us the pleasures of this world or whatever it offers cannot give us contentment or peace or help us to experience the resurrected life of Christ. Those things are just copycats. There's just one way that we can really, really experience the life that God has for us and how we can grow mature and mature, grow spiritually to mature and being emotionally healed is just by um, the life that God has for us. The Bible teaches us that God saved us primarily for a relationship with him. That's why we were saved, to restore our relationship with him, not to have houses or all the other things. Relationship to him through Jesus Christ and relationship with others, because that is what sin stole from Adam and Eve and from us, was the relationship thing. I believe and have experienced through the years that relationships, therefore, are the foundational pillars in our lives. Everything else can be taken away from you. But if we work towards good relationships, that will help us grow, that will make us spiritually mature and emotionally stronger. Because that is what God is all about, is relationships. There's no doubt that Jesus is the foundation on which we build. The Bible tells us that. Um, let's read that in 1 Corinthians 3.11. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. As apprentices of Christ, and I love that word, because being apprentice shows that we are committed to follow Jesus. The word apprentice means we are committed to follow Jesus but also to learn from him and that we want to grow and learn because that's what apprentices does, do. If, if you have an apprentice, whether you're electrician or a rabbi like Jesus was, the person that are following you and are spending time with you wants to learn from you and are committed to learn from you. So we are all apprentices of Jesus. We have a responsibility to build or to grow. 
So we're talking about our spiritual lives. We're talking about growth. And that growth means to become spiritually mature. We're all still on this journey. But that's what we call to do. And to be obedient to the job that God gave us. So what is the job? Great Commission. We're not here just to enjoy ourselves in our little houses with God. He's given us a job. Every single Christian has got a job. If we want to put it in a world's term, we've got an assignment to reach people for Christ. They are dying. We can offer them life through Jesus. Jesus has got the answer for them. So every one of us has have got this responsibility. It's written to all Christians in Matthew. So if the next, the next four pillars are not in place, I believe the enemy can come and steal from us. Plunder our houses or our lives if we don't have these four things in place. And here are the four basic pillars that I think we need to have in place. And first, it's our relationship with God. We need to spend time with God. We need to be in fellowship with Him. We need to hear from Him. We need to talk to Him, etc., etc. There's so much that we can talk about. Then our relationship with your relationship with yourself. That clunk snarks. But you know, need to know what your identity is. And Herman gladly talked about that last week. Our identity. Who are we in Christ? The healing that we need in our lives. The, the, the freedom that we need. That we need to understand in our lives. And then the third one is our relationship with our own families. Your spouse, your children. at home, extended family, that is very important because we know that's also a place where the enemy comes to steal. If your marriage is not healthy, if your relationship with your kids is not healthy, he can come and steal from you. That includes respect, honesty, communication, accountability, fun, all those things. and then. The relationship with God's family. When we were born again, we were born into a family. God said that. So last week, Herman talked about our identity. Good sermon. And today I'm going to talk about our relationship with God. What does that entail? There's so much that we can say about that. But I want to focus on three things that for me is really, really important. And I think sometimes we, we don't really understand how fundamental this is in our walk with God. Please go and explore more. This is just three things that I are focusing on. There's so much more. Please go and explore more. Go and delve into the Word and pray and ask God to reveal things to you. So the first thing I'm going to talk about this morning is submission to God. 
And I know to some people this is a swear word. This is... <laughs> hmm? Yeah. Submission is not... You see, we think if we submit to someone, we lose who we are. Or it's going to be a... a um, Control, we will be controlled by others in an unhealthy way. That's not what submission is. That's not how it's supposed to be. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but that's not how it's supposed to be. However, we all submit already to something or someone or someone's opinion or someone's history or someone's experience or ourselves. Our own desires, our fleshly desires. The question is, is what we submit to, is it God? And what the Bible teaches us as a whole. So if you and I ask ourselves this morning, what are we submitting to? What is ruling us? our desires, our hurts, our experiences, God's word. Maybe you can come up with another answer. If we understand how sin came into this world, it will help us to understand submission. Sin that came into this world through Adam and Eve what was not just that they ate of a tree that God said they're not allowed to. It was not the action of eating the, they say, apple. We're not sure it was an apple. But that's not the sin. It was what be, was behind the scenes. It was that they chose not to submit to God and not to follow his instructions. That was the sin. They had authority that God gave them to rule under his authority. They, had, they already had the authority. But they rebelled. They wanted to be equal with God. Knowing all things right from wrong. You see, by listening to the enemy, because on Daoyele, the enemy in the form of a snake was the one who sowed doubt in their minds. So by listening to him, pride developed in their hearts. Thinking they knew better than to obey the command that God gave. Why do I have to? So pride started developing in their hearts. The tree represented their desire to be in control. I'm sorry. It's the truth. After their rebellion and eating of this tree, sin entered the world, accompanied by guilt, shame, self-consciousness, and self-protection. 
That's what happened there in the garden. When Adam and Eve decided not to submit to God. So for me, sin is the desire to be in control of my own life. Thinking that you know better than Almighty God who created you. That's what I say to myself. According to what happened in the garden. In other words, not submitting to God and his commands. And that is what Jesus came to save us from. That is the sin that Jesus came to save us from. So when we accept Jesus as our Savior, it's not just paying for our sins and now we are okay and we're forgiven, but it's coming back under the authority of God, following Jesus, submitting to God once again. And under his authority, he gives us authority. Let's read James 4, verse 6 to 8. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see, often we read that scripture and say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But what does this whole passage say? If we submit under God, because it's God's authority. That gives, God gives us the authority to resist the devil. We can't do it in our own strength. The word also says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We need to know what we believe. So to submit to God is a choice. And this is the first step. Are you guys with me? I know this is serious stuff, but I don't think we understand how fundamental this is in our lives. So if I choose to submit to God, it's the first step that leads to developing trust. Only then can I learn how to trust God. And trust is not something that we pick off a menu. Trust is something that is earned and developed in time. Klink verskrikkelijk as ek dit sê, en ons praat daarvan om God te vertrouw. How can I say that if we talk about trusting God? You see, God doesn't need to prove himself to us. Not at all. He's God Almighty. The creator of everything. 
But I believe he has over and over and over again. Not only by saving us from sin and ourselves, but also by revealing himself to us through scripture. So we learn to trust God, and I've put it up there for you, more and more in our lives. Firstly, by searching the scriptures, discovering who Father is, who Jesus is, who Holy Spirit really is. God wants to reveal himself to us. And as we dig into the scriptures, we will discover that. The more we discover and experience God's unconditional love, the times when anybody else should have said, Ach, go, God says, come. The more we trust and experience his faithfulness, even if it sometimes looks different from what we expect it to be. Romans 8, 24 to 35. I'm just going to touch on a few scriptures here, but please go and read this in context. I always ask that. Go and read the whole passage. Romans 8, 24 to 35. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes what he has seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. God has got a purpose for you. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn amongst many brothers. That's part of our journey, to be conformed to the image of his son. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. If you are in Christ, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are justified before God. And I'm sure Herman touched on that. I can't remember. Justified, for us Afrikaners het ons het so uitgewerk. Just if I'd never sinned. That is grace. To be justified, to are allowed, we are allowed to come into God's presence. Because our sin has been dealt with. Isn't that amazing? Dis iets om oor opgewonde te raak. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is a miracle happening here. Almighty God is on our side. 
32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God is on your side. He loves you. He's got amazing things for you in, in store. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Das niks wat ons kan skyf van God se liefde nie. It's always there from his side. So if we read this passage, do you think we can trust God? He's justified us. He's got good things in mind for us. He's on our side. He does all things so that the image of Christ is formed in us. As the word of God becomes part of us, by reading it and meditating on it, digging into the scriptures, trusting God becomes a way of life, becomes a lifestyle, becomes easier the more we get to know who God is, the easier it gets to trust him in circumstances because we know the heart of God. And this, these few verses has explained some of that to us. How I wish that trusting God would be a way of life for me. Anyone with me? Huh? And then the third thing I want to talk about is obedience. When we became children of God, we also became citizens of God's kingdom. Jesus taught and demonstrated the kingdom for us. That was part of what he did here on earth. He taught God's kingdom, introduced God's kingdom to us, and then he demonstrated God's kingdom to us. Kingdom means there's a king. And being part of that kingdom means that we need to abide by the king's principles and the guidelines that he has if we are part of that kingdom. We are called to follow and obey Jesus as our king. So if we are part of God's kingdom, here comes the submission again, and here comes the trust again, and obedience again, because we're part of God's kingdom with his principles and his guidelines. So you see, we, we need to obey even if it doesn't make sense to us. Shall I prove it to you? Let's read Luke 5, 4 to 6. Luke 5, verses 4 to 6. Very, you probably know this. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Ons was nou net daar gewees. Daar is nie vis nie. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Doesn't make sense. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Miracle. Sometimes God works in ways that we don't understand. We cannot work it out logically. Hierdie ding is die grootste vijand wat ons het. We want to work it out. You can't work out everything. So sometimes we need to obey even if it doesn't make sense. And then the second thing. Sometimes we need to obey regardless of consequences. Acts 5, 29-32 But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him and at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. You see, they were told to stop, not to talk about Jesus anymore. Many times the disciples were persecuted. But we must obey God rather than men. And then thirdly, obey God and follow Jesus' example. He gave us an example. And 1 John 2, 3 to 6 says that as well. And by this we know that we have come to him. To know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Obedience to God is so important. There are things that he knows that we don't know. God sees the future, we don't see the future. He knows all things. He knows how to protect us. He knows how to heal us. He knows how to strengthen us. He knows how to change us, how to set us free, etc., etc., etc. But if we trust him, we will obey him. So to conclude, 
Other names for pillars can also be priorities or main areas of emphasis in our lives, etc., etc. It is important how we build our lives. If our pillars and foundation is not in place, if it's not built on the word of God, we're in trouble. So what pillars are we putting in our lives? According to our own desires, others' opinions, some experiences, hurts, what we read on internet, Mrs. Google, Or are we building with the material and specifications that God gave us in his word? His word is alive and well. His word is Jesus Christ. And that's what I wanted to talk about this morning. Our relationship with God. There's so much more. Please go and read those scriptures again. We really, really need to submit and trust God and obey God if we want to grow into who he has designed and created us to be. If we want to fulfill the calling on our lives, the great commandment, whichever way it looks for you and for me.